This is Blackstone Joe, and you're listening to Slick Talk. I say I'm an oil man, you will agree. There's a stink of oil out here. We grow oil! All right, welcome into episode 92, titled In Focus. Again, I am your host, Blackstone Joe, your friendly neighborhood baritone. And today we are taking a look at a sample from a 2.0 liter turbo EcoBoost powering a 2013 Ford Focus ST. And before I get the ball rolling, no, this is not an advertisement for Ford per se. I mean, maybe some of you will be motivated to seek out this very same engine after I tell you how good this sample looked. But no, we're not beholden to Ford nor are we being paid any exorbitant fee for gushing about the results in this particular sample. But here's the deal. When you look at as many samples as I do, as we do as a company in general, we send out our fair share of bad news. And some of that's to be expected. Some owners send in samples and they are readily anticipating Armageddon under the hood. Uh, But many, many other owners are not expecting the bad news. It's a shoe that drops suddenly and unexpectedly. So many of these samples pile up, and no, I wouldn't say it's the vast majority, but it's kind of like when you work in retail, which I did uh, while I was in school. When you work in retail, you can have, let's say, 100 customers treat you right, and they are patient, they are understanding, especially when it comes to, say, store policies that are not your own. You just work there and you're trying to make enough money to put gas in the tank and take your girlfriend out on a date. And then a customer wants to take you to task because some guy wearing a tie in a corporate office many miles away from you has some sort of store policy they don't agree with. Let's say those first hundred customers treat you right. Then you have that one person I was just describing who wants to give you a hard time. Well, that one person can be what sticks out. And maybe you have one or two and that adds up to five. Suffice to say, it's not the vast majority, but it can feel that way at times. It can feel like you're being overwhelmed. And on the oil analysis side, it can often feel like, gosh, I've been sending out so much bad news when reality it's, you know, maybe a dozen of the samples you looked at had bad news and and, and the rest looked great. But no matter what line of work you're in, um, when bad news does come along, you need to take a moment and smell the roses. And in this case, it's of course, petroleum-based roses, as it were, in that we're gonna be talking about a used oil sample. And I wanted to highlight how good it looked because I think it would surprise a lot of you. And truth be told, it kind of surprised me uh, because I've been looking at oil samples for a long time And I've seen a lot of samples come and go with results that are typical or maybe a little bit better than average. Of course, the aforementioned nightmare scenarios come up. But every once in a while, you see something special. And that's what this particular report was. So let's break it down a little bit. As I mentioned earlier, this one belonged to a 2013 Focus ST. This was a 2.0 liter turbo EcoBoost engine option. Now, I went looking around online because I'm not a Ford owner, um, but it looks like the oil change recommendation tends to be around 7,500 miles if you're using synthetic oil. 
Um, if you've been around this podcast for a while or have sampled with us for a long time, it's not that you have to be using synthetic oil to reach a certain amount of mileage, but I digress. That's a whole other podcast episode. I just find it interesting. The recommendations do vary greatly depending on whether you're using synthetic or conventional. And of course, that's yeah, not exclusive to Ford. But just an aside that I find the 7,500 mile interval was fairly common in my search. And truth be told, uh, owners that are sampling these 2.0 liter turbo EcoBoost engines that we know, they're typically going about 6,300 miles. That's what the average file for that engine is based on. So there's a little nugget for you. If you don't know our averages all that well, if you're a Ford owner, you're curious about what we typically see on these engines in particular, that's the average oil change interval for samples from these engines. So typically, we see owners that are going with a bit more conservative of an approach than even what Ford might call for. And the end result in this particular sample was most impressive because the owner went a whopping 25,000 miles on their oil. And another interesting data point is that the engine had 66,000 and change on the odometer. If you're the owner of this engine, I'm only going to unpack good news here. Congratulations to you right off the top. I won't give out your name and your info unless, of course, you hear this episode and you want it known. But if you are the owner of this exact engine, you know what I'm talking about. We only have good news here, just as we noted in the report. So what are we looking at here? Well, a 25,000-mile sample, it would be fair to anticipate quite a bit of metal, and not necessarily quite a bit of metal Due to the engine not being able to handle it, I'm mainly talking about iron. So pay close attention to what I'm going to say here if you don't know much about extended oil use or what to anticipate from a metal standpoint. So iron tracks pretty closely with the miles. The majority of wearing components are often steel, so it makes sense. Cylinders, shafts, etc. So you have iron normally be the dominant metal in these engines. There are exceptions in other models. This isn't trying to give you a broad generalization, but rest assured for this engine, iron's typically dominant, and then you'll have it followed by aluminum, then copper. This balance can vary amongst the various makes and models, but here we're just talking about the 2.0 liter turbo EcoBoost. So we typically see iron as the dominant metal, and if you go much longer than the average interval, it stands to reason that iron will track with the miles and accumulate. So what we want to see is a stable amount of metal accumulating on a per mile basis. So when we look at these metals, really in any sample, but especially one like this, we're going to try and determine, okay, has this metal been accumulating at a typical rate on a per mile basis? If it has then that's a good sign that the engine is handling it well. But in this case, we're looking at 22 parts per million of iron versus a 16 part per million average. Again, averages are based on just 6,300 miles. This owner goes 25,000, has just a little bit more iron than average. Truth be told, an additional amount that wouldn't be unusual, even say if the owner was going close to average, but asking a lot of the engine, be it in the form of higher RPMs, short trips, a lot of idling. Idling is use that's not recorded on the odometer, so it can cause more iron to show up than there would be otherwise. So all that to say, a level close to average, and then surrounding wear metals that are either average or better, 
And while that's a recipe for one mighty impressive wear profile, one that I'm just not going to see very often, and here's the thing, there wasn't a caveat such as a lot of makeup oil, for example. There was no makeup oil added. Now, why do I bring that up as a caveat? Well, if you're adding makeup oil, it's going to dilute metals down, so it can make it look like the engine is wearing less than it would be otherwise. So the main reason we ask about makeup oil is we want to know, hey, are these metals we should take with a grain of salt because of how much fresh oil you're adding and it's diluting the metals down? Well, no, there wasn't any amount of makeup oil to do that. Other things we're going to look at are contaminants. We want to know, okay, is there contamination that could be impacting the sample? Now, on that front, we did find enough fuel to keep an eye on at the next oil change right around the 2% that we consider high. Now, Ford isn't necessarily going to consider that a problem level, and truth be told, we wouldn't assume right off the bat that one borderline high level is reason to, oh, change out the injectors. You have a problem with the fuel pump. You have something, you know, it's, it's a level that can speak to a problem, and we certainly want to keep an eye on it. But here's the thing. It didn't thin the oil down significantly. This oil had a viscosity in the 520 range, and everything else looks good too. No coolant, no excess dirt. We don't have a high level of insolubles. And why do I bring up insolubles? Well, they're particularly meaningful when we're looking at a sample like this because when you're running the oil so long, solids are going to naturally accumulate. And that's what we're talking about here with insolubles is literally the oil oxidizing and becoming solid. So what you're going to run into is as the oil filter is doing its job, it's going to accumulate solids. And once it reaches its capacity, those solids will begin to circulate through the crankcase uninhibited. The oil filter will not be able to keep them in check. And that buildup of solid material can turn the oil abrasive, cause the engine to wear more than it would be otherwise. So a long interval, netting, very low wear, a low insolubles level. A contaminant that we want to keep an eye on, truthfully, you know, there, there's no pretending that's not a focal point at the next oil change, but it's not a level that appeared to have any noticeable impact as far as how the rest of the sample looks, how the engine is doing, its ability to handle these longer oil runs, which is why we didn't suggest going much longer on the next fill. We do want to keep an eye on fuel and make sure that's not a persistent issue, something that is you know, steadily getting worse. But suffice to say, if the owner is not noticing a rising oil level on the dipstick, fuel is mainly an item to keep an eye on because it can show up due to normal use. Oftentimes, I'm hearing from whether it be customers or just folks on the internet and forums, armchair analysts at large, I often hear Folks say that, well, manufacturers are just telling people to run the oil longer these days so they replace the engine sooner. And I'm thinking, well, hold on. Oil change intervals oftentimes tend to be pretty conservative, especially for engines that are well-suited to them. For example, commuter cars are doing a lot of highway driving. They often are able to go long oil change intervals, even longer than what the manufacturer is saying. And we base this on wear levels, how the oil is holding up, so on and so forth. Unless you're running into an issue where the engine is making exorbitant amounts of metal, increasing amounts from one oil change to another, running into issues with contamination, or if the oil filter is not able to last the length of the interval, extending the oil change interval often even beyond the manufacturer recommendation is typically doable. 
what you want to do is make sure that the engine is not working too hard to accomplish its goals. And working too hard would coincide with what I just mentioned, the engine wearing heavily, the oil oxidizing rapidly. Some of you might be thinking about sludge, you know, if it's sludging up, if it's becoming solid. But when we look at a used oil sample and we see indicators of the engine keeping up well from a wear standpoint and the oil holding up well physically, then oftentimes long oil change intervals really aren't out of the question, then they don't really speak to some grand conspiracy from the manufacturer side. Now, of course, some engines aren't even going to be able to go that recommended interval just due to how they respond. Some engines are going to be asked to do more than they can accomplish, especially if they're running into issues with contaminants or if you have other problems arise either mechanically or if you have episodes that coincide with you know, the engine wearing heavily temporarily. You know, we see scenarios all the time where someone will go to an oil change place and maybe the wrong filter's installed and there's a sudden loss of oil causing, you know, the engine to wear heavily temporarily. All that's to say that things happen and you have episodes that may occur where the engine is impacted temporarily from a wear standpoint or where there may be long-term issues caused, but it's not simply due to an oil change interval that is irresponsible in and of itself. And of course, if you're ever wanting to know if the oil change interval, be it your own, what the manufacturer is calling for, or an interval that you want to try, knowing how the engine is responding to it, and if you're asking too much of the engine, that's all data you can draw from a used oil sample. So if you're not sure about the oil change interval you're going with. If you want to go longer than that, that is what we refer to with extended oil use on the back of our oil information slips. We're asking if you want to go longer. So if that is something you're interested in, used oil analysis is a convenient way to know exactly how the engine is handling that if you need to dial that interval back if you want to go longer. Because again, while long intervals are certainly doable for some engines like this Ford Focus, that's not the case for all of them. So you want to go to the data and see how the metals stack up, how the physical properties look before you make any hard and fast calls with your oil change interval or really any other aspect of your maintenance plan. In this case, though, I just wanted to spotlight an engine that impressed me, impressed other analysts in the building in terms of how well it handled an interval, a long interval even by the manufacturer standards. Never a bad time to smell the petroleum-based roses. Maybe that'll become a saying around here. Stay tuned. And before I let you go, I want to thank our listeners for another five-star rating on iTunes. That means so much to us, both knowing that we're bringing content that you like, but also to the visibility of this podcast. So that way more listeners can find us. If you like what you hear and you haven't given us a rating or a review, please do so on whatever platform you're listening on. This is Blackstone Joe, signing off.